Let's take our Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 13, chapter 11, excuse me, and now we're going to get to verse 13, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3 as we've read every week. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I love verse 2, for by it, faith... <clears throat> the elders obtained a good report. Uh, how many of you remember the days you brought your report card home? How many of you remember the days that you hid it from mom and dad? A report card? No, 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 that's next week. That's next week. Uh, we want to we have a good report card. Um, I've said often our job as preachers, as ministers of the gospel, is to help our people have a good judgment seat of Christ. That's, that's why we preach the way we do. It's why we teach the Word of God. We challenge you to live right. These people that are listed in Hebrews 11, by faith, they got a good report. God gave it to us here in this chapter. And we've seen the, uh, the, the results of their faith. We've seen from Romans 1.17, our other verse that goes with the theme, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We're going to jump down to verse 11 uh, through, thir- uh, through 14. We'll read those this morning. Then we'll pray and we'll get into the thoughts. Through faith also, um, I'm sorry, verse 12. Uh, Therefore spring even, um, there. let me back up. I'm looking at my notes. I got the wrong reference. Verse 13, that is where I wanted to start. I'll be all right once I wake up. (laughs) I wake up at the crack of noon no matter what time I get out of bed, okay? I have a lot of allergies. I'm allergic to cold, snow, and mornings. So there we go. I need the two cups of coffee that... uh, the brother AJ has over there. I walked over there to steal his donut, which I did, and uh, he had two cups of coffee. I think I need one of those. Like verse 13. For these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. We'll talk this morning on lessons of faith from the old country. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look into your word, and we we want to hear from you this morning, and these thoughts, I believe, that you've put in this chapter can be a help and a challenge to each of us. I pray you'd help us to be attentive, help me as I speak. I pray that you would help me to say exactly what you want said this morning. May we, each of us, be listening to the Word of God and responsive to what you say to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at uh, the just kind of the overview that God gives us of these first uh, few listed, the first five. We've looked at Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah And then God pauses there in verse 13 and says, these all. And I think he refers to more than just those. I think he is referring to everyone in the chapter. As we get into the rest of the thoughts, you'll see that. Uh, But these all. uh, And we looked at last week at the lessons that we got from them. And that by introduction that being a believer does not exempt you from the realities of life. Um, Saved people have hard times too. Uh, In fact... uh, you know, I think sometimes we're not honest as preachers. So what do you mean? We tell, you know, tell folks at the end of a message, come to Jesus. He's the answer to your every dilemma. Come. Yeah, go ahead and come. You'll get saved, but then your problems are really going to start because the devil's mad at you now. Right. You walk down, get right with God. The devil saw that. 
and he's now going to come after you. Uh, but the difference is you're not facing those difficulties alone. Hallelujah for that. Amen. I don't know how people of the world face what we face every day in the world without Jesus Christ. I just don't understand how they can, and you wonder why they, uh, all the problems and the, the heartache uh, and, and just the, the difficulty people have living from day to day. It's because they don't have Jesus. Amen. Uh, the next thing we saw by introduction is they didn't get to see the fulfillment of their faith in this life, but they live by faith anyway. Uh, we saw that they, with them, they saw the, 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 the promises afar off. They didn't get to see everything. They were persuaded of the promises. Even though they didn't see everything, they believed them. They, they claimed them as their, their own. Amen. We see in the next part of that verse that they, um, they embraced them. They embraced the promises. Now we continue in that thought in the end of verse 13 where it says, we'll read the whole verse again, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they, they that say such things uh, declare plainly that they seek a country. The lessons we see from the old country that we'll get to in the next verse is that these here, these all that died in faith, they expressed their desire for the new country. The older I get, the better heaven looks. Amen. You know, I have, have too many family members over there now and, and friends, and, and uh, you know, we're getting to that age where uh, guys I went to Bible college with are now slipping off to eternity. And that's a tough part to deal with, you know. Um, you're, those of you that have dealt with parents, you know, three years ago in April, even when my mom went to heaven, I'm still having a hard time with that, you know. Um, I'm glad dad's still around, amen. And, uh, but as we see that heaven gets sweeter all the time, these people realized and they declared that their desire was for something not of this world. It's so easy to get enamored by the world. Was there's nothing here in this world that's worth giving your life to? Only the things of God. Amen. Amen. And, and, and each of these great people of faith, their focus was not on this world, but it was on the world to come. Uh, we talked about it last week in, in uh, the song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The problem is we do feel too at home in this world. And, and these, these individuals here, look again at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises... But having seen them before often, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They realized they were just passing through this. Um, aren't you glad this isn't everything? Aren't you glad that this life isn't all that there is? But there's so much more. This is just the beginning. You know what this is? Uh, this is how you qualify for what you get to do for eternity. Amen. Revelation 20 says about those in the new Jerusalem, his servants shall serve him. You realize you're going to work in heaven? For some of you, you just, heaven didn't sound so good anymore, did it? They're going to serve him there. Well, who, who's God going to give the best jobs to? Those that serve him here. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we're waiting on. But these all, they, they, they saw that they were just pilgrims and strangers 
They, were, they sought a country, and it doesn't mean they were seeking the promised land as far as the physical land God promised to Israel. No, they were talking about something greater than that, and that's eternity. Most of us, to, to those that, that live their lives with eternity in view, the stuff in this world just doesn't matter. That great song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The light of His glory and grace. The stuff we get all worked up about in eternity, we won't even remember it. It won't matter. Isn't it amazing we get all, all worked up about stuff and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll fret about it and a week later we don't even remember what we were upset about? Because it didn't really matter. Amen? And so uh, these, these all that are listed here, they realize, they confess, hey, we're strangers, we're pilgrims. Um, it's been said that some people that they're 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 so heavenly minded they're of no no earthly good. Well, I think there's a lot of believers that are so earthly minded, they're of no heavenly good. These believers, they, they their focus was not on this life. They were looking way beyond that. And and, and that brings me to the thought that I'd mentioned a preacher earlier. Uh, this week was a great contrast. Uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we had a home-going service for one, one of God's choice servants, Brother Bobby Hargrove. And if you were here for the service, you know what a wonderful service. Now, we miss him. We grieve. But we understand where he's at. And what a wonderful service where, where, where we saw a little bit of his life. And, and then the next day, there was another service honoring the life of a great American, President George Herbert Walker Bush. And just as I sat there and watched the, the funeral for President Bush, I could not help but my mind going back to the day before, contrasting two funerals. And I started making some notes because I just couldn't get away from it. And, and none about what I'm about to say is to disparage the president because I think by all accounts he was a very honorable man, uh, probably had one of the most unique resumes for a president. I mean, think about it. He was a World War II fighter pilot, a hero in war, uh, was a congressman, a businessman. Uh, he was the director of the CIA, was ambassador to China, uh, was vice president for eight years and president for four. That's a pretty good resume as far as the world looks at it. Amen. And, uh, <clears throat> but in watching these two funerals, just some contrasts and some similarities with Brother Hargrove. We saw a great example the Hargrove was a man you could tell your son, be like him. As far as the world goes, they would look at, at a President Bush and say, there's a great example. Uh, both were successful businessmen. Both lived lives of service. Uh, whether you agreed with the politics of President Bush or not, he gave his life to public service. That's what he did I mean, from the time he joined the, the Navy at 17, became the youngest fighter pilot. I mean, that's something to be commended. Amen. Uh, Brother Har Hargrove, boy, did he live a life of service. Both men were kind. They were gentlemen. Well, that's something we've lost in this society. How to be a gentleman. How, how to be kind to people. Uh, both were friendly, personable. I don't know that Brother Bobby ever met a stranger. <laughs> he might have met somebody for the first time, but it wasn't a stranger. I mean, when I, when I called Dad... Uh, to tell him about Brother Harker of going to heaven. Now, Dad was only here one day. He's like, oh, I know exactly who that was. He in the bulletins to me on Sunday. Like, yeah, that's exactly who that was. Both were good family men. 
But here's where things changed. As I got to thinking about the contrast Brother Mike, between these two, when we listened to the service for Brother Bobby, all the comments were spiritual accolades. When you listen to those about the president, it was all human accolades. They were good. But what a difference. With, with the president, uh, they talked about all of his accomplishments. With Brother Bobby, it was all his spiritual victories. Talked about his prayer life. And some of us in this room that he told us every week, I pray for you. And he did. His wife told me, he said, um, he has a little prayer box of all his prayer cards, of all the missionaries. He said, your, your, box, your card's in there. You didn't hear anything like that from President Bush. I'm trying to draw a contrast. I'm not, again, not trying to disparage the president. I'm not. Watching the funeral, Brother Mike, comparing that with Brother Bobby's service the day before. Here on Tuesday, we had godly music. Encourage the soul. On Wednesday, there was religious music, but it was dead as last year's Christmas tree. You know what I'm talking about? Um, in Brother Bobby's service, powerful scripture was read with pointed application. The other service, I guess they called it scripture, but it wasn't from the Bible, at least not the King James Bible. They read scripture, but there was no application, and it was, it was dry and dead. With the service of Brother Bobby, all we heard about was the hope of eternal life. You didn't hear any about any of that in the president's funeral. On Tuesday, the focus was on the Savior. On Wednesday, the focus was on the president. On Tuesday, the focus was on eternity. And on Wednesday, the focus was on this life. Those that live by faith, look at again verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They that, such things, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. For the Bobby's life was lived as a declaration of his desire for the new country. We live by faith. We cannot keep our focus on this life. Those that live by faith live with eternity's values in view. In, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. As I said at the beginning, we get too enamored with all this stuff here. Brother Roloff used to say, you've never seen a U-Haul trailer on the back of a hearse. Job said, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. All this stuff you collect, all this stuff that we, we got to have, and none of that's going to matter in eternity. Lessons of faith from the old country. Well, these all declared their desire for the new country. The second thing I want you to see, look at verse 15 of Hebrews 11. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Lessons of faith from the old country. These all desired a, a new country. They declared that. But second of all, 
they saw the danger of being reminded of the old country. What are you talking about? I'm talking about where God saved you from. We see a great warning. It's dangerous to constantly be reminded of where you were and and what your lifestyle was before God saved you. That's what separation is all about. Think about this. It would have been very easy for Abraham to retrace his steps to the Ur of the Chaldees. When things got difficult, it would have been very easy for him to go back. In fact, that's why he ended up in Egypt. Because he didn't trust God. His lapse of faith. Think about that. He could, if he constantly thought about Ur of the Chaldees that God called him out of. So you'd leave that. If he kept thinking about it, he could go back to what he was before he chose to follow God. You know, if we spend too much time thinking about our life before we got saved, it says Hebrews, a little bit later in the chapter, it says in chapter 11 about Moses, that he, he, he chose rather to, to, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, he chose the things of Christ. Sin's fun for a while. But Satan never shows you the end of it. He could have gone back, Abraham, he could have gone back to just being a rancher near the Chaldees. He was a wealthy man with lots of cattle. Ended up getting him in some trouble. Uh, his, his servants and, and those of Lot started getting in a fight. Why, wow, they had so much cattle, there wasn't enough room for them. Think about this. Had Abraham kept thinking about the old country, he could have gone back to being just Abram before God changed everything. But God had more than that in mind for him. It would be very easy for a believer to go back to what they were before they got saved if you're constantly thinking about that. What are you talking about? I mean, hanging around the people you did before you got saved or before you got right with God. Listening to the music you you listened to then. And we'll get to more of that in just a moment. Uh, In Numbers chapter 11, it's something very interesting about the children of Israel. It says in Numbers 11, verses 4 through 6, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Now think about that. Here's the children of Israel. They've been delivered out of bondage. They were being killed as slaves. God's delivered them. He's miraculously providing manna for them. What's that? That's angel food. Amen? That's what it calls it in the the book of Psalms. Comes from heaven every morning. Why was that necessary? There was no store to go buy food at. They were traveling through the wilderness. There wasn't a place to grow crops. God had to provide for them. It is interesting, once they got to the promised land, God stopped the manna. Why? Because now they had land to grow crops on. But as they were traveling, they, they started remembering the old country. They remembered the fish and all the things they ate in, in, in Egypt. The old country is dangerous, listen to me, first of all, because it's familiar. It's easy to think about where you have been before when you moved to a new place. I moved here to Michigan a little, almost eight years ago. I moved from San Diego. I'm missing San Diego this morning. There are palm trees there. My first Christmas there, when I saw Christmas lights on a palm tree, like, that's just wrong. <laughs> After eight years there, I like it. <laughs> I'm for it, amen? 
and, uh, you know, Santa with flip-flops. It works for me, all right? It just does. The shawls will give me an amen right here. I, I miss taco shops. Somebody say amen right there. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I would just have to take you there and, and street tacos. Hallelujah. When I first came here, everybody wanted to go to a Coney, you know, to Coney Island. A what? Coney Island. All right. And, and I've learned to like those. Amen. Uh, and I've learned to like trees until the leaves fall off. But after a while, you have to stop thinking about that or you'll, you'll try to find a way to go back. Did you notice what it said there in verse number 15? It says, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. The old country's dangerous because it's familiar, but not only that, we don't have accurate memories. The children of Israel remembered the fish. They remembered the, the melons and the leeks and the garlics. They remembered the food. But they forgot about the the whips of the masters. They forgot they were slaves. They forgot their baby boys were killed. Yeah. Amen? And that's the way our memories are. Uh, we forget some of that stuff. We've, they forgot they were beaten by the taskmasters. You know what that means? We don't remember how bad sin was. We don't remember the despair of having the weight of our sin on us. We forget sometimes because we're thinking of the old country what it was like when God delivered us. That's why it's, we've got to be very careful about thinking about all that before. And I get a little bit worried about those that when they give their testimony of salvation, preacher, they're, always, they're almost glorifying the sin they were in instead of magnifying the grace of God that came to them. You know, with the prodigal son, I, were, I wonder how many times he remembered the party life. I'm talking about after he got home. But Luke 15 says that he had spent all. He wasted all of his father's inheritance. And when he came back home, his father didn't redivide the inheritance. Because when, when his, his brother, his older brother got mad, said, you never threw me a party. You never gave me the, 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 the robe and a ring on my finger. And his father said to him, all that I have is thine. When the younger son came home, the prodigal son he didn't have anything. I think he had to work for his brother the rest of his life. That land there, that belonged to his brother now. But all he could remember was how fun it was in the far country. He, forgot, he could forget the hog pen. We've got to be careful about being reminded of the old country. Look at it again in verse number 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. The, the memories of the old country creates a desire to go back to it. It says they might have returned. Why? They were reminded of it. Uh, take your Bibles, if you will. You're in Hebrews. Uh, just go one book over to the book of James, chapter 1. We'll come right back to Hebrews. And we'll make some very practical application. James 1, verse number 14. But every man is tempted... When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, 
bringeth forth death. Uh, in these scriptures, we, we see the pattern, the progression of sin, that, that sin starts with a, a temptation. Um, it starts when a man is drawn away of his own lust. Now we look at that word lust and our mind automatically goes to, to a sensual kind of lust. But the word lust in this, this passage literally means a strong desire. Things that you want, you want to have. And, and, and that's why beer commercials are the best commercials on television. You ever notice how flashy they are? I mean, in the Super Bowl, they always have these fancy, you know, uh, different ads, and, and they always look good, you know. Uh, you notice they're always a party of young, good-looking, healthy people. Why don't they show the car wreck and the people laying on the street dead because of a drunk driver? Uh, one of our teachers in college, he's a pastor in Houston, has been for years now, Brother Johnny Pope, he put out a billboard in front of his church. Um, that had showed uh, there was a recent car wreck there. This was several years ago. And uh, a drunk driver had swerved over and killed somebody, and he died. And in the the pictures in the newspaper of the wreck, you could see broken Michelob beer bottles all over the front seat of the car. And back then, Michelob was running the commercial, Weekends Are Made for Michelob. So he put that picture on the billboard of the crashed cars and the ambulances in the background when you could see the bottles, and he put the sign, Weekends are made for Michelob. He got sued for it, but that's truth in advertising. But see, the devil doesn't show you that. You hear the music from, from where you were when you, before you got saved, or the bar you used to go to, or the club you used to attend, and it appealed to your flesh, and you hear that, and you oh, yeah, that was fun. But you forget the hangover you had that night. Every man, when he is tempted, is drawn away of his own lust. Whatever it is that, that is your sin, that is the one that you tend to go to, it's because you have a desire there. Lust, and um, he's enticed. That means it, it, it made it appealing. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's the result of sin always. This is why I'm saved. I don't have to worry about that. No, but sin will still bring death to opportunities to serve God. It'll bring death to ministries. Sin can bring death to a marriage. Uh, That's when you get right with God about a certain thing, you need to remove it from your life. Don't leave it there where you can look at it. And we'll turn to it, but in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, it's an amazing story where Josiah becomes king as as uh, just a, a young man, seven years old, and, and uh, he, he's, he's, he reigns for many years. And it says about him in verse number three, I'm sorry, um, yeah, in his eighth year of his reign, when he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them. And he cut down and, and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And he break in pieces and made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. <coughs> I love this. When... When he saw what was going on and he he began serving the Lord himself, not just doing what David did, but now he was serving the Lord because he passionately served God and followed God. He started removing from Israel all the idols. He didn't just take them down and sell them in a yard sale. 
The Bible says about it, he broke them in pieces. He made dust of them and then strode it upon the graves of them and sacrificed them. What did he do? He made it to where it was impossible to go back to what they had before. It says in verse 33 of, of 2 Chronicles 34, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel, made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. He made it impossible to go back to the old country. Now remember our verse there in Hebrews 11. They were mindful of it and could have had opportunity to go back. Those that live by faith, they get their eyes on the new country and forget about the old. Our problem is we want to hang on to it. We'll get right with God about some music that we have. It's like, oh, that, that's not right. It's not, it's not spiritual music. It's not hymns. It, it doesn't glorify God. But instead of destroying it, we'll put it in a drawer. One of the greatest challenges we had at Mount Salem Revival Grounds when we would challenge young people to get right with God about that stuff. They'd go home and want to destroy their CD collection. And their parents say, no, you can't do that. We spent too much money for that. And they made it easy for them to go back to it. You know, that's one of the dangers of Facebook. What are we talking about? You connect with an old flame. And, in your, and, and online, it all looks good. You know, they start sending you messages. I hate Facebook, by the way. I don't understand it. <laughs> it confuses me. But anyway, um, but man, we've all heard the horror stories. Somebody connected with somebody from the past and they mess up their marriage because they were reminded of the old country and it's not what they remembered. And by the way, it's not worth going back to. But they compare their life today with what they thought they would have had had they married that person. Before long, they're meeting for coffee. Before long, their, their marriage is wrecked. Why? The old country. That's why you need to stay away from anything that, that's from the old country. Why? It will make you desire it. These people that live by faith, they had to leave all that stuff behind. If you desire the old country, you will devise a way to return. Look again at verse number 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they had come out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Don't, your, don't set yourself up for return. By the way, that's why at our church, we don't want our music to remind you of the nightclub you used to go to. Shouldn't sound like that at all. Uh, we don't want to remind you of the fleshly style that, uh, of music. And on the same token, we don't want our music to remind you of the dead Catholic church you came out of. Amen? We, we want to have that, that new life that comes in Christ. Uh, that's why we don't want our worship services to remind you of the old dead religion. We don't want it to remind you of a nightclub. I like when you come to church, it's church. There's a pulpit. Amen, I like it. I like ours that it's bolted to the floor. <laughs> I just love it. I have a church in Florida. They built a new auditorium. And uh, they put, when they built the platform out of concrete, they put steel beams coming out of it and bolted the pulpit to that and then finished pouring the floor. You can't move their pulpit. I love it, amen? Why, because that broom was designed for preaching. Uh, that's why we don't want our dress styles at church to remind you of the old country. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We're to live a life that doesn't remind other people of the old country. People have been able to look at us and know there is a believer. We're not to be different from the world. We're to be so different it's obvious. I'm a little concerned about believers today that want to be as close to the world as they can get. Now I want to be as far away from it as I can get. It's interesting in Mark chapter number 5, you have the story of the maniac of Gadara. Here was a man that was possessed by demons, <clears throat> a legion of them. And he ran around, and what was the characteristic of his life? He was uncontrollable. He ran around, uh, they would bind him with chains, he'd break him. He, he ran around naked, he was crying and screaming, he was totally out of control and naked. That was him. Then he got saved. He met Jesus. And it says in verse number 15 of Mark 5, and they, come, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. His actions were different, his attire was different, his attitude was different. Why? Because he met Jesus. That ought to be the description of every believer. These people in Hebrews 11, they were different. Why? Because they confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This isn't what I'm about. They declared publicly they sought a country. What are they talking about? The new country, heaven. And they eliminated the things that would cause them to go back. Look there again in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Just for that, let me read a verse for you from, from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Question, what from the old country have you allowed to stay in your life? It's going to make you think of it. It's going to make you want to go back. There came a time I had to put my Hawaiian shirts away. I live in Michigan. If I wear my Hawaiian shirts, people look at me funny. They look at me funny anyway. But there are things in our lives that just ought to be removed. Why? Because they remind us of the old country. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that such they say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. The third thought on this, first of all, these all declared their desire for the new country. They saw the danger of being reminded of the old country, and then they set their affections on their eternal home. They were seeking a country of God's choosing. They were not headed back toward the old country. I ask you another question. What are you seeking? Are you seeking the things that are eternal? Or are you thinking what it used to be? As we said there in James, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Satan knows how to get our attention. And he tries to get us to think about the things that aren't what we're supposed to have in our Christian life. If you would, let's go to the book of Colossians. And I, just, I want to read these scriptures because they're just, I think they, they kind of put the lesson in perspective here. Colossians chapter number 3 I'm not sure how much we'll read. could read all the way through verse 17, but I don't think we'll have time for that. 
Um, we'll read, I think, probably just verses 1 through 3. If ye then, being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of, of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice he says here, verse number two, uh, well, verse one, to seek those things which are above. That's what these people in faith did. They realized the stuff on this life wasn't important in comparison to eternity. So they removed the things that kept them from thinking about and doing what God wanted them to do. Verse two, set your affection on things above. What's the focus of your life? Abraham's focus when he left the earth of the Chaldees was to go to the country God had showed him. We joked about it last week when he came to, to, to Sarah, say, pack up, honey, we're moving. Where are we moving to? I don't know. We laugh at that. But you understand the magnitude of that faith? I'm going to leave everything I know and go to a place I've never seen. You know, missionaries today, they go to a Ford field and they, they, they always go to the field first. Back before we had the ease of travel we have today, missionaries didn't do that. They just went. That's what Abraham did. He just obeyed God and he left the old country. He went where God wanted him to go. I set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse number three, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I love verse four. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then she also appear with him in glory. Paul said to the church of Philippi, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What does he say? Everything about my life is about him. Those that lived in faith, the, the things of this world didn't attract them anymore. Why? Because their life was hid in God. It was all about him. Verse number five of their Colossians 3, mortify therefore your members. Now, you've heard it said, and it's true. Anytime you see the word therefore in the scriptures, you need to look at the verses before and see what it's there for. Because that we're to put our, sec, our, our affectional things above, because Christ is our life, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. He said all those things, they're supposed to go away. All right, he, he's, he's telling us that. He goes on to verse number uh, six, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. It, it, into which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now also, uh, but now ye also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. What's he saying? We're to take all that stuff of the old life, we're to take it off, we're to get rid of it. And we'll be clothed in Christ. We're to, to, to take our life and get it wrapped up in God and the things of God. Our focus must be on the things eternal. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. But are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. We're to, we're to leave all that stuff alone. Why? Because it's going to destroy us spiritually. 
You say, okay, Pastor, that all sounds great, but what's that got to do with our faith? I'm glad you asked. Go back to Hebrews 11. Verse number 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Faith realizes that the old country cannot compare with the country of God's choosing. What the world has to offer can't compete with what God promises. So what did they do? In verse 13, they embraced the promises. They confessed their condition that they were pilgrims and strangers. Pilgrim means a traveler. A stranger means not of this country. And that's us as believers. Faith realizes the old country can't compare with the country of God's choosing. Number two, faith focuses our attention and desires on God's country. It says, they, for the, verse 14, for they, say, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now we read that verse, and to most of us, like, yeah, what's that, what, what's that got to do with me? Now think about it again. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Let me ask you the question Do people in your life know you desire the things of God? Do they know you want to do the will of God? Do they know your life is focused on the things that are eternal, not on this earth? See, when you start living for God and make it known to others, you're not going to go back to the old country. You'll find those people will start to pull away from you. You know, we've often you know, had people that we've won to Christ and discipled them, and, and they'll say, well, I've got to choose my new friends. Well, you do. I'm going to have to leave my old friends. You're not going to have to leave them. Because you start living for God. You start quoting scripture to them. You start inviting them to church instead of inviting them to the bar. They'll just quit hanging around you. I mean, when you go to work on Monday morning and you're all excited about the people that got saved and baptized at church, you're going to find out the guy who gives the dirty jokes not going to want to talk to you anymore. Uh, I, I worked in a printing company for many years and uh, they had a, I managed the graphics department. And they had a, uh, every Friday night, some of the workers would have a big keg party. Now, from the very first day I went to work there, I would come to work, and I would set my Red Schofield Bible right on the top of my desk, and right next to it, a stack of tracks. I worked there five years, preacher, not one time was I ever invited to their party. <laughs> Never. So did that bother you? No. <laughs> They'd come into my department and they'd say, you know, they'd use wrong language. Oh, I'm sorry, preacher. I'm, I'm sorry. But you declare plainly. How comfortable are sinners around you living their wicked lifestyle? If you declare plainly what country you're seeking, it'll make them uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you don't try to witness to them, but they should not be your closest associates. You know, one of the things I loved about when we worked at Mount Salem Revival Grounds and the great church services there, and they wasn't called a campgrounds, it was called Revival Grounds on purpose. We'd have these, every night, it was built around preaching. And we'd have the invitations, and they were specific invitations. We'd preach against a particular thing or for a certain thing. We preached against music, uh, the wrong kind of music. Then we would invite the young people to make a decision, come to the altar and give that music up. Then we'd fill out a decision card for every one that came to the altar. Every person at the altar was prayed with. We filled out a decision card for every decision. 
Then we had them tell the crowd what decision they made. You know why? That's accountability. We would send a copy of that decision home, home, uh, card home with the, the youth pastor so they could have a Sunday night church service where the teenagers could stand in front of the church and declare to the church, these are the decisions I made at camp. What is that? That's declaring plainly. I'm seeking the new country. I'm leaving the old country behind. I'm concerned that we have this kind of Christianity today. Well, make the decision, but just make it in your seat. You don't need to make anything public. No, we need to declare plainly. I think everybody knew Abraham was moving. Everybody knew Noah was building an ark. He didn't build it in his garage or his basement, all right? Declare it publicly. Faith changes our desires. Look again at verses 13 through 15. We'll read it one last time for this week. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. They wanted the new life God promised. They wanted to leave behind the old life. The lessons of faith in the old country, they declared their desire for the new country. They saw the dangers of being reminded of the old country. And they set their affection on the things in the new country. You know, those practical things in our Christian life, they'll build your faith. They'll help you this week live a more consistent life. Let's leave the old country behind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these great examples. Thank you for this clear instruction from Scripture. May we be willing to declare plainly our desire for the new country. May we be willing to live in such a way everyone will know that this life, these things of the world is not what attracts us. But we're here to do a work in getting people the gospel so they can come to the new country too. Pray you'd keep us focused in that way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.